Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. <laughs> I always get a kick out of hearing that intro. It was voiced by my co-producer, I call him my partner in crime, Ryan Treasure, the VP of everything at World Talk Radio Voice America. Welcome, 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 welcome. We've got a great show for you today, and yes, we will be putting it through a little bit of the lens of the novel coronavirus or COVID-19 as it's familiarly known, but we're not going to focus on that. Let me read a quote I found. I found this quote and the opening of the show was written before the pandemic took hold of the world and gripped us all. So this is from a medium.com article from June 2019, almost a year ago by Richard Yao. Let me read this opening and then I'll tell you why I kept it for today's show. He said, entertainment is ultimately an attention business. And the competition for attention has never been fiercer, with new entrants from tech firms and non-media brands jumping into content production. With the explosion in content, consumers today are often overwhelmed when choosing content to watch. So we're talking about visual media, yes. I picked this a while ago, didn't know we would be where we are today, but I think it's even more relevant as many of us are sheltered in place, sequestered, quarantined, whether we are having symptoms or not, whether we're protecting ourselves, our families, our loved ones, our co-workers, whatever we're doing, we're all trying to be safe. So entertainment is coming to us in ways that we never imagined, but it's coming to us a certain way now that we can't go to the theater, we can't go to the movies, we can't go to concerts, we can't go to lectures. It's all coming at us. So even more now, there is an overwhelming amount. Let's look at some of the business stats of entertainment, and then I will introduce my four very esteemed panelists, and we'll have them introduce themselves. And we're going to get their predictions on where this is all going. So looking back at recent entertainment news, Apple unveiled star-studded content slate for its TV Plus streaming service. Many of you may be subscribers. Walmart is reportedly developing VUDU Voodoo-branded streaming original content. Good for Walmart. Quibi, you all heard of that, Q-U-I-B-I. It's a mobile-first short-form video content from top Hollywood creators. Guess what? It sold over $100 million in upfront ads with six advertisers before it was even launched. Netflix is up to 150 million subscribers globally. This is old news. It's probably more. Hulu, which is now fully owned by Disney, is ramping up its original programming, and Amazon Studios is hoping the majority of the viewing audience will watch its Oscar-hopeful movies on a smaller screen. I think that's where it's going to be. So I have four entertainment industry. I'm going to use the word veterans. They've all been around a while doing what they do, and we'll find out what they do. We are first going to start in a moment with Lori Hamill. Lori and I go back, I don't know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. She was a guest on my TV show show when I was in New York and a very lovely lady, smart and talented and funny and extraordinary in so many ways. And she brought the rest of the panel. We're going to meet Victor Verhage, and I'll spell that later for you. We have Joanna Bonnaro. She told me how to pronounce her name and the one with the easiest name to pronounce, Alex Webb. So welcome to my wonderful panelists. Lori Hamill, why don't you spend about two and a half minutes telling us who you are and be sure to mention Margot Rose. And Lori, let's pretend that there's even one person in the world in my global audience who who doesn't know who you are, so talk to them. Hi, Lori. <laughs> oh, Bonnie, you're you're so funny and wonderful. Um, thank you, first of all, for having us all on. Um, the reason that I thought these uh, other fine folks would be great on your program is because I know them, and they are all people who have worked um, both in front of the camera and also creating their own material, which is where the future is these days. So many uh, things have made it accessible for us to be able to uh, bring our own ideas to the world, um, including uh, you're talking about Margot Rose Furderer, my reporter, uh, New York 2 reporter, who gets everything wrong. And she <laughs> is 
so <laughs> sure that everything's right. So that was a lot of fun to create that. Um, I made about 30 videos um, of Margot Rose and uh, had so much fun uh, interviewing the Broadway community and uh, getting the inside scoop, but slightly off every time I did it. <laughs> um, but um, I'm someone with a strong theater background, Broadway, off-Broadway, national tours, and then have come more into television and film and lots of commercials, doing a lot of voiceovers, which is a great thing to be doing right now. Just ordered a bunch of equipment yesterday. That is going to help me to be able to have state-of-the-art recording at home, which is the new future for doing voiceovers, that's for sure. Uh, so anyway, I'm really excited to be here, and thank you so much, Bonnie, for having me and this wonderful panel of guests. Thank you, Laurie. And I have to tell everybody, the way you and I reconnected after many years was I was, I'm in Durham, North Carolina now, formerly from Long Island. I was in Great Neck for 32 years until two and a half years ago. And I was gassing up my car, my little 370Z convertible at a station here in Durham, North Carolina. And I put in my credit card in the pump and it started to fill the tank. I use only the 93. And so it was, I'm watching the dollars rack up and a video comes on the top of the gas pump. And it's Laurie Hamill doing an advertisement. <laughs> and I said, I never thought I would see a familiar face on a gas pump advertisement. So I got back home and I emailed her. I said, Laurie, there you were at the gas pump. And we reconnected and, and she's been doing some radio gigs with me. And thank you so much, Laurie. Lovely. To, I'm hoping to see you on another gas pump at some time. So when I have a reason to get out of the house and fill up the car with gas, we'll just leave that one alone. Great. Next on the panel around the table, happy to welcome Victor Verhage. He spells his last name if you want to look him up. V-E-R-H-A-E-G-H-E. That's a spelling twister. Victor, welcome to my show. Welcome to Technology Revolution. And please tell us a little bit about what you do, Victor. Uh, thank you very much, Bonnie. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I don't do these kinds of things very often. It's awful uh, <clears throat> nice to be a part of it. You know, I got the COVID shit and... Uh, I'm feeling like an awful, awful piece of dog crap, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm going to be fine. I have done a lot of my own stuff, like Lori was saying. I've written and produced a lot of television stuff, a lot of film stuff. That's my that's my thing that I love the most. I've done a lot of television work, a lot of film work. Uh, but my, my, my favorite thing to do is to write and create. I've written a show called Cop Doc that, was, that went around the festivals, I think called The Parker, a short film that went to festivals. I've written a musical that's supposed to be getting a workshop pretty soon, and, uh, and that's my thing, writing and producing my own, my own content. I also have a, have a guy that I've been doing recently called Carl Tuckerson. I'm not going to get political here, but it's, it's political. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I'm not going to say anything more about that, but I, uh, my, my thing is doing my own stuff. I, I can't sit around and wait for people to call me, even though I'm fortunate that I make a living in the business. Uh, I've been very fortunate to do the television and the homework that I've done, and, uh, but my greatest joy is, uh, is creating and, uh, and writing and filming and shooting my own stuff, which is what I've been doing in this quarantine uh, world that we have been living in and developing characters and developing other uh, ideas to take into, uh, you know, take out into the world. So, Thank uh, you, Victor. I, I'm, I didn't know you okay. were un- literally under the weather. I hope you're okay, and we're very honored that you're joining us. And I have to tell everybody, Victor was Antonio, the doorman, on one of the most beloved series ever, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I'm still, I'm still the doorman. They haven't killed oh, me. Oh, my I'm goodness. I'm still the doorman. Victor, I, I, three seasons I, I've been out of there. I binge watch the whole thing in a, a whole Saturday night or a Saturday night and into Sunday morning if I pass out at 3 in the morning on, on Saturday. <laughs> so I have to tell you, I can't wait. I wish they would do more. You also are in an upcoming film called Bad Education with Hugh Jackman, That's Allison right, Janney, and Ray. Jack- oh, my. You've got some creds here, kid. Really, to, really. I've done some nice things. I got to work with Spielberg. I got to work with Scorsese. I've been a very fortunate guy. I've done a lot of nice stuff. And I'm blessed. I am blessed. And, uh, you know, no matter what happens from here on in, I can say I, uh, I did some pretty good things. So uh, there's more to do. There's a lot more to do. So thank well, you for having me. Well, congratulations. Oh, delighted. And, th- and thank we're privileged to have you. And bless the creative mind. That's all I'm going to say. I'm almost in tears here. Let's give Victor a break. Joanna Bonaro, welcome. Joanna, you have also a stellar, stellar uh, bio here. Why don't you tell everybody what you do? 
Well, first, Bonnie, I want to thank you for having me on. It's very exciting. And I also want to thank Lori Hamill, who I've known for many years, is an extremely talented, wonderful, giving uh, human being, actress, performer, and I highly recommend Margot Rose better. It's, it's hysterical. So um, I've worked with Lori, and I'm a uh, um, New York City-based actress, writer, and producer. And I've worked in you know, primetime TV, network and cable, film, and, and off-Broadway theater. And um, recently, I, I created a uh, TV pilot series called Good and Screwed. And uh, it's won a lot of, you know, different awards. I'm particularly proud that it won a Bronze Remy Award at the Houston International Film Festival for a TV pilot series. And it's now being um, executive produced by Stephen Van Zandt of uh, Rock and Roll Hall and Fame, Sopranos, and Lilyhammer. So we're really excited about that. Hopefully, it's an ensemble series, and hopefully it'll go somewhere. Um, and uh, currently, I host and I podcast uh, a podcast that I created on. It's on iTunes and Apple called Terrace Truth Talking, and it's for this underrepresented and overlooked demographic that um, is the female demographic from 45 to 65 years old, of which I am one. And mm-hmm. it's all about just how to flourish in life, and we have guests from a walk of life, and they talk about their struggles, and they give advice, so uh, I've been involved with that, and it's wonderful meeting all these women and talking about their experiences. I find it very joyful, I have to say. And um, and that's really it. I mean, in the fall, I'll be in an off-Broadway production of Lovers and Other Strangers, um, directed by Stephen Van Vance, so I have that to look forward to, and now she's Creating while we're we're all stuck at home. Joanna, I'm so impressed, and I have to tell you, I am a huge Stevie Van Zandt fan. I watched Lily Hammer. It took a couple of weeks to get through it. It was one of the most entertaining, I'm going to say gutsy. That's not the word I want to use. Uh, I know there was the Italian, the, ma- the mafia side to it, but <laughs> that series had chutzpah, and that's my word, and you know you know what that means. And it yeah, was it just rocking show. It was it had everything. It, he was amazing in it. I loved watching yeah. him. I love his acting. And for you to get to work with him, that's just a big way. Anybody who hasn't seen Lilyhammer, find it. It was just a terrific show. Uh, is, is it Netflix? Remind me, Joanna. Netflix? Say that again? Sorry. It's, it's Netflix, right, uh, it, Lilyhammer? It's Netflix. It's Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah everybody look show. it up. It's it quite a show. Started. Yeah. And, and you mentioned about your series you're doing for women from 45 to 65. May I ask you politely to extend the upper age range, please? And I'm not going to tell you why, but there are more people who would like to be, be part of that. So. Well, let's say 45 plus. 45 Thank you. Plus. Now now I'm even a bigger fan of yours, Joanna Bonnero. Thank you so much. And we have left Alex Webb sitting there saying, when is she going to get to me? Alex, I'm pretending. Alex yeah. Webb, please join me and, and introduce yourself to everybody. Go ahead. Well, uh, thank you so much, Bonnie, for having me on. And thank you to Lori for connecting us. I, I love the story about seeing Lori at the gas pump. I mean, it's... <laughs> taps right into the whole theme of the show, which is that screens are everywhere now, and you can you can see Laurie pretty much on all the screens, as we know. Um, I am an actor, writer, director, living here in New York City, um, Jackson Heights, Queens, a neighbor ah. of Laurie's, um, and uh, yeah, I have, uh, I started in the theater, doing a lot of uh, everything from, you know, classical theater and places all over the country, Arena Stage, uh, La Jolla Playhouse, all those kinds of great regional theaters. And at some point in all of that, I realized that um, working on other playwrights' work, I, I really started to, you know, analyze scenes in a way that actors do. And, and you start to realize that you have strong opinions and maybe you could actually do something um, in the vein of what you're, you know, working on the projects. And so I wrote a play for my wife and I that um, ended up going to a number of theaters around the country and mm. got published by Samuel French and was a fantastic experience. Uh, wow. Tells a story, uh, a little-known piece of history that um, there were women that masqueraded as men and fought in the Civil War in the 1860s. And uh, I think uh, people tend to think of the Civil War as this, 
battle between the great generals and there's so many other stories in, in different epics of history where you find out that, you know, it's not just the little blurb you get in American history in high school and that's the whole story, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I love exploring the uh, little-known corners of history in my playwriting and uh, I recently made a feature film called To the Flame. Uh, people can check that out at toTheFlame.net. It's a um, thriller, dark comedy and great screening at the Museum of the Moving Image here in Queens um, uh, about a year ago and and then on the acting front, I just did the new Edie Falco TV series, Tommy. And, yes, uh, have I a like it. I watch Chuck it. Brown, who is, what's that? I'm a fan. I watch, I watch Tommy. Oh, I wonderful. watch Tommy every wonderful, week. So yeah. what, do you, what do you play? Who do you play? I play a, I play a um, commander of the gang unit. His name is Chuck Brown, and he's one of the old guard that is really unhappy to find out that the new hell of head of the LAPD is a woman. So uh, I have know. Folks, uh, I was in the first episode and I'm hearing that there's possibility of him coming back and making more trouble for Edie. So that would be awesome. Well, I bet it was a thrill for you to work with Edie. I actually like the show. It got very mixed reviews in the beginning. I watched the, the first one, the pilot, and I thought, eh. And something about her attitude, who she is, how she walks in a room, the lines she has and how she delivers them made me a fan. And I look forward to it every Thursday. I want to tell you that, Alex. So I'm, I'm, oh, Lori. Laurie, yeah. you have picked she's such a master. stellar panel. She, I bet she is. She's she's something else. Um, Laurie, I want to thank you. I'm impressed. I don't I don't even want to talk about the topic. I want to just talk to the four of you about your creativity <laughs> and your vision. But we're going to stick to the topic because this is the future of now. If you're just tuning in, I don't even think I named the episode. The episode is Make Me Laugh, Make Me Cry, Make Me Smart, Make Me Dream, The Future of Entertainment Delivery. This is Technology Revolution, The Future of Now. If you're counting, and I have to, this is episode Number 38 started this show back in June of 2019 before the world went nuts. And we are up to over 50,000 listeners a month and probably growing now that more people are sitting somewhere looking for entertainment and looking for interesting topics. I'm speaking today with four acting veterans there. I call them my creatives. They're interesting. They're passionate. They're talented. They're driven. We have Lori Hamill. We have Victor Verhege. We have Joanna Bonnero. And we have Alex Webb. I think I pronounced everything everything right. So now's the part of the show where we're going to ask, I'm going to ask each of the panelists to explain the opening quote they sent me. And I asked them for a quote from a movie, a book, a song, something that had nothing specific directly to, to do with our topic of entertainment delivery. And then they're going to explain in their own words. And panelists, let's keep this to about two minutes apiece when you explain it. I'll read your quote, starting with Lori. Then I'll read a little background on the source, or as I like to use the big word, attribution. It's a big word because it has four syllables. And <laughs> and by the way, I've done stand-up, and I had my own comedy troupe briefly on Long Island many, many years ago. And I just wanted you all to know that in TV and radio for many, many years. So here we are. Lori Hamill sent us a quote from somewhere from West Side story. West Side Story, well, we all know what that is. Somewhere refers to somewhere there's a place for us. It's a song from the 1957, Laurie, digging back in history here, 57 Broadway musical West Side Story that was made into a film four years later in 61. The music composed by Leonard Bernstein with lyrics by Sondheim, Stephen Sondheim, takes a phrase from the slow movement of Beethoven's, Beethoven's Emperor Piano Concerto. I don't know if you knew that. Here's the quote. Someday, somewhere, We'll find a new way of living. Laurie, make me sigh here. Talk to me. How'd you pick this great quote for our show today? Um, well, first of all, I love the words about it. Someday, somewhere, we'll find a new way of living. So we are going to find a new way of living through all of this. And I feel as a creator, we uh, definitely, as we all are on this show, uh, is that there's always a place for our work. There's always a way for our message to get out there. It might change. And the other thing is, um, when I was doing Forbidden Broadway for a long time, um, I played Barbara Streisand, and it was like a send-up of Broadway shows and Broadway stars. Mm-hmm. And um, so I would sing this song with other lyrics, you know, with parody lyrics. But I have to say, I'd have to watch... Barbara Streisand singing this over and over again, uh, and so and listen to it, and so it just was sort of in my mind. 
Well, I love it. And how does this relate to, I, I have a literal relationship of this to our topic today, somewhere, somewhere, we'll find a new way of living. We're in that right now in the pandemic. But how does this relate, Laurie, to the future of entertainment in your thoughts? Well, I mean, just the idea that we it all has changed. I mean, when you think about how people watch television, how they got content, and apparently they would leave the channel on at night the, for the late night host, the, the station wanted your home to have it on that channel. So the next morning when you woke up, that's the channel that was on. I mean, that kind of uh, trying to kind of track you as a consumer has was starting there in a very simple way. And now there are a gazillion ways that they track us as consumers. But uh, I just think entertainment lives on. That is definitely what, what I think. And I think stories will find a way and our stories will find a way. Uh, that each, like I said, each of us are creators on this show. So I, I feel as though we will continue to find our way. We'll find a new Thank way of living. We will, and we are, and thank you very much. And entertainment is so important to that, to keep us busy. As I say, keep us busy, keep us happy, keep us sad when we choose to be, keep us dreaming, keep us creating, keep us out of our own way right now. Victor Verhege has sent me a quote from Dr. Wayne Dyer, The Power of Intention. Uh, Wayne Walter Dyer, 1940 to 2015, was an American self-help author and a motivational speaker. His first book, Your Erogenous Zones, in 1976, is still one of the best-selling books of all time. It sold a mere 100 million copies to date, probably still going strong. Here's the quote Victor has selected. And Victor, I'm going to ask you to relate this to our topic today. The quote is, stay tuned vibrationally to the source of all life that intended you. And everyone else here and all the powers of that field of intention will cooperate with you to bring into your life what you desire. Oh, Victor, this is heavy. Talk to me. This is what I'm all about. I mean, I believe this is what we're here for. You know what I mean? To connect to each other, to help each other achieve great things, because <clears throat> more and more we're an isolated world. We're an isolated you know, people. And I believe that if we can create and, and vibrationally attract other people who are like-minded and like Lori. I forgot to say thank you to Lori. I, Jesus, I didn't even say thank you to Lori for bringing me on to this thing. But to me, that's what this is all about, is being vibrationally in tune the source of all life, whatever that is to you. I'm not being religious. I'm just being about this is a being. I am a being. We are all here together to help each other. I also forgot to say I do these series of videos called What If Love? What if we tried love instead of guns? What if we tried love instead of hate? I believe that there's a power inside of all of us that we can attract. And, and, and we are here to help each other. And it's been a difficult time. Forget about it. It's just, you know, it's a crazy time. But to me, that is what the future can be. It can be this incredible force for good entertainment, especially when we work together, when we work together with each other and we bring uh, uh, stories about you know, anything that, that, that interests us, that I believe that we could change the minds of people based on our own vibrational uh, uh, course. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the way I feel. Thank you, Victor. Very appropriate, and I appreciate that. I, I like the series you talk about. Joanna Bonnero has sent me a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. We're going back in, in women's history here. Anna Eleanor Roosevelt. 1884 to 1962. She was a diplomat and activist, the first lady of the U.S. from March 4th, 1933 to April 12th, 1945. And those are two very interesting years in the history of the world. I think you'll agree, Joanna. 1933 and yeah. 1945. During her, I never looked at it that way. During her husband, President Franklin D. Roosevelt's four terms in office, she was the longest serving first lady of the United States and she was the U.S. delegate to the U.N. General Assembly from 1945 to 52. And here's the quote. The future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. Oh, Joanna, I'm I'm swooning here. There's such a beautiful quote. I want I, t I say on these shows I want to crochet it on a pillow one day. So, but don't wait, don't hold me don't hold me to that, Joanna. How does this quote relate to our topic, please? Well, whenever I hear anyone say that quote out loud, as you just did, I get chills. Um, and Eleanor Roosevelt is definitely an, an, an idol and a great role model um, on so many levels. But I I chose it you know, for, for two reasons, personally, and then for the topic at hand. I mean, personally, as, as um, you know, a writer and a content creator, um, you, you do that because you want to explore topics 
that you think either haven't been explored before or want to explore in a different or, you know, unique way. And so if you can do that as a creator, you're fulfilling a dream of not only creating it, but then showing it to the world. And on a, on a, on a larger scale, what we're talking about now and is that with the emergence of, of all these streaming and all these choices, there's room for new voices and there's also room uh, for the artists to have complete control over their creative content. I mean, um, so you can have a voice and you can put it out there on YouTube. And so it's level playing field. So um, you, can, you can reach hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, look at Aquafina, who I love, and with the emergence uh-huh. of her just from you know, from, from YouTube. So, so I think now that if you believe in, in your own, uh, and, and, and take action on and put out there your vision or your dream or your project or your point of view, you can, you can just show the world what you've got and feel like, um, you're contributing or having a voice. So, you know, for all the artists, out there, I, I, it's important, I think, to be heard. And I think if if you believe in yourself, there's no stopping you. And if you kind of don't have the confidence quite yet to believe in yourself, I want to say to everyone, then surround yourself with people who adore you and believe in you, and, and it will still happen. So um, that's, why I cho- that's why I chose that quote. Lovely. Thank you so much. Beautiful quote. And uh, interestingly enough, the next quote I'm going to read is from Alex Webb. He picked a quote from Bob Marley, and these are lyrics from No Woman, No Cry. And Alex, I'm going to read a little bit of the lyric before and after this line, and then I'll focus on the line, if you don't mind, because I think this is so important. And there's a, a female focus again here. The line is, good friends we have, oh, good friends we've lost along the way. In this great future, you can't forget your past. So dry your tears, I say, and no woman, no cry. No woman, no cry. Dear little darling, don't shed no tears. No woman, no cry. Alex, I'm going to be uh, crying here a lot from these quotes. <laughs> Alex, how did you pick this one, and what does this have to do with our topic of the future of entertainment delivery? Go ahead, Alex Webb. All right. Well, um, you know, it's interesting because it does it does resonate on many different levels, for sure. Um, one that it resonates with me is um, the notion that with every generation, many great new ideas, many, and in our particular field, many great new ways of telling stories and great new technologies, but it's all built on the shoulders of uh, great men and women from the past. And we've all, you know, learned and built on those things. And with every generation, you realize, oh my God, if you look at a silent movie star, you realize that this person that now is huge and one of the most popular movie stars on the planet really owes a huge debt to Rudolph Valentino or et cetera. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's really, again, important to to acknowledge all that we've learned and gained from our ancestors. And obviously, uh, in the current moment, people are losing people and we don't want to, even when we lose them, we don't, we want to hang on to their memory and it's powerful and, um, you know, it can carry you through your life. Even the people that have uh, left us, um, the, uh, and then in particular to right now and platforms and what's the future of storytelling and entertainment. I, I really feel strongly that there is, we're living through a moment in writing rooms where there's a little bit of a panic. In other words, I feel like with some storytelling I'm seeing out there with so many platforms and so many shows that there's this need to have something extraordinary and OMG moment Mm -hmm. every five minutes to the point where I cannot Mm -hmm. tell you how many people I run into (laughs) who say, uh, I love this show. I'm watching and I'm just going crazy. And, and then I see them a week later and I say, you still, you still into that? Did you complete it? And more than half the time, people don't even finish the series now because I feel like the, the, again, the sort of writing room panic is that you've got to flip flop and make these characters go through so many iterations in the first hour that you 
literally lose your viewer. So that's the part where I go back to the past and say mm-hmm. a great story around the fireplace, a great story yes. in a one-hour network show, a great story in a 10-minute YouTube video. It's still got to be true characters that don't flip-flop so much that in a simple but powerful story. So that's the part about the past, and not forgetting what makes a great story. Thank you. So true. Very, very well put. Thank you all for taking the time with the quotes. I I loved all of your quotes. We're going to start the predictions round now. I'm going to read one prediction from each of you. I'll pick and choose what I think would be fun to have. We'll see how many we can do. Why don't you take about 90 seconds each? No, we're not clocking you. No, we're not going to throw you off the show. But I want to see we're at uh, 1134 here. I want to see if we can get in at least two, two predictions from each of you before we close the show. So Lori Hamill sent me the following, and this is interesting and very timely. Lori Predicts there will be more content to watch that feels homemade. Lori, what are we talking about? Well, I think that especially during this time of the quarantine, uh, the great quarantine of 2020, is that uh, we're seeing all these talk show hosts talking from home. And mm-hmm. I feel like instead of everything being so polished, I feel like that is going to kind of skew the way we uh, expect to see people in uh, on our televisions, on our screens, on our phones, on our computers, um, it's not that that there's something about it that's going to connect in a deeper way, which I think will probably be reflected through advertising in the way that commercials are done. Um, in the past, it's been more where they'll do something for nostalgia, where they'll bring up you know uh, an old piece of, of footage so that we can feel that. Well, I I feel like now because. We are seeing people without makeup. We're seeing people without all the production um, bells and whistles. I think that there's going to be an aspect of that that continues on. There may be storylines and television shows that are specifically about somebody doing something from home where mm-hmm. that may not have been uh, even thought of before or something that we would see regularly as we are now. Interesting, Laurie, and, and you all know more about production schedules than I do, but I know if I'm going to be able to binge watch an entire season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel in one Saturday night into Sunday morning, that it was produced many months before. It was edited and polished and put together and then dropped, as the, as the industry term goes, I believe. And so it cannot possibly be current. If Mrs. Maisel dropped this weekend, it couldn't possibly be reflective of where we are right now, or even though I know it's a period piece from from years ago but just using that as an example so your point is well taken and I know in in corporate video making Laurie I've done shows uh, many of my SAP game changer shows talk about I have a uh, some topics called, look, I'm on camera uh, making videos, and they say sit in front of a a decent camera, have a decent mic, have a neutral background, and speak from your heart. Even if you're doing a social selling message, don't sell, don't hard sell, create a relationship, get people to like and trust you, but be yourself, be authentic, and you don't have to make it polished. And I think we're seeing more and more of that on social media. I'm going to move on, Lori. Thank you. Very Mm thought-provoking. And Victor Verhege, I was going to go with your number three prediction, which follows up a little bit on what said, but I'm going to go with number one because this is more catastrophic in terms of entertainment delivery in the future. You say movie theaters will go out of business. Victor, why did you say this and are we almost there? Go ahead, Victor. Yeah, because what are we going to do? I mean, nobody's going to go to the theater anymore. I mean, there's there's no reason. I want to use Joanna's predictions. Hers are better. Uh, <laughs> we'll get I mean, to those. Seriously. Global platforms, that's where, that's the, that's where we're going. If movie theaters, how can you afford, how can anybody afford, you know, to keep a movie theater it running when nobody is going to the movies? I just, to me, that's, that's, that's a no-brainer. That's going to happen. Um, but but I, I, I love Joanna's predictions, and, and those to me are the, are the more accurate, which is the global platforms, Netflix, Amazon. I mean, these, these huge multinational companies are going to take over as far as the platforms. And that's where people are going to get their content. You know, they're not, they're not going to go out anymore. That's, that's my feeling. Okay, and that's a perfect segue into Joanna. I think he just stole, <laughs> stole our thunder. Joanna sent me very, very, very long detail. Each one is a little American novel, and I appreciate that because you put so much into your – everybody else, I love your predictions too, Alex and Lori and Victor, but Joanna went over the top here. So, Joanna, I'm going to 
read a little bit from your first prediction and have you expand it, as they say on the news these days. Would you please unpack it? So here's what you told me before the show. Global platforms will control the majority of video streaming market. Netflix will continue to dominate the world market as the premium provider of new and original content, though it will need to look at its no-ad policy that while a plus now, as competition increases, could become a cost liability. Joanna, tell us more. This is fascinating and right on point. Go ahead. Well, first of all, it's it's not like I'm brilliant. When when Lori asked me um, if I wanted to participate and then you guys sent me the, the topic, I did a lot of research and I did a lot of mulling over. Um, and I, I was trying to sound highly, highly intelligent. So thank you. Um, <laughs> it worked. It worked. That, um, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> Is that uh, um, what I meant by that too? Is that uh, to, to say what what Alex just said is really there are going to be no more movie theaters. I mean, it's all about streaming now, and the big giants um, are going to get even bigger. I mean, we're talking about yes, I agree with Lori Home Content, but as far as where the mega money is, it's all going to be within Netflix and Amazon Prime and, and Disney and um, now HBO Max and Apple TV, and um, that's where the money, huge money, is going to be. Um, but what what they're going to have to look at, and what we're all looking at, is that they have to constantly like like feed the beast. They're going to have to have constant new and original content. And the, and the ones that provide the most original and new content that attracts the viewers, and that could also be simpler content or, you know, with, without makeup and all, which is what Lori was bringing in, and I totally agree with her there. You know, we want less fake and we want more real because people no longer are looking for um, aspirational. They're looking for... I, I want to see me up there on, on, on the screen. I don't, I don't, I don't want to see the, you know, the 1% of the population that's, that's amazingly gorgeous. So, um, the global But you platform, are. But you are. You. I, <laughs> that's all makeup and lighting. Trust me. <laughs> Thank you very much. Very interesting. And I appreciate all the research you did. And I, I don't buy that. Laurie, we don't buy that stuff about it's all lights and makeup and all that in her picture. Do we, Laurie? No. It's the natural beauty of, of Joanna Bonnero. Alex Webb, Alex Webb, I'm going to, interesting. Alex, I've been looking at your prediction number one. You say the huge amount of content and platforms for viewers will slow down as they put each other out of business. Oh, my. Alex, talk to me. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess it ties in with what I was saying earlier, too, in that I, I do believe that um, while there is a huge amount of content, there's also there's spectacular examples of uh, great stuff from Fleabag to, you know, some of the other shows we've mentioned that I think is truly amazing. The crown and, and we could go on uh, the morning show, but there's also a lot of really bad stuff that nobody's watching at all, or there's 10 viewers and in the little dusty corners of Netflix, Amazon prime and on and on. Um, So I just, I don't see the ever-growing number of platforms. I just don't see how they all sustain and keep paying for these shows that, you know, at this moment, just there are a bunch of clunkers sitting in that large container called Netflix, et cetera. Um, and I, I think that somebody will eventually go, we can't just keep making these shows for very small amounts of viewers. Um, yeah. But Alex, that begs the question of we're talking about homemade content. Lori mentioned it. We're talking about more and more podcasts and more and more homemade films and little two-minute, three-minute, whatever is going around that we're looking for, a very short consumable look at Queeby coming up. So the question is, uh, yeah. these. The, so I guess it's a juxtaposition of the platforms that we're used to with the long-form content, and I'm going to consider whether right or wrong, whether you have to let me know, is an hour-long procedural like Tommy or, or even like, uh, um, I don't know, anything NCIS. Uh, I know that uh, yeah. Modern Family Modern Family. Mm-hmm. Tonight, yeah, and I'm going to watch that. But bloods. yeah, Blue Bloods. That's right. The long, long time, long for where we know them. We like them. We're part of their families. They're part of our lives. We want to see what they're doing. We care about the characters. We empathize with them, or we hate them. But that's still a form of empathy, I think. So the question is, with the the new platforms coming, there will be competition from very short form 
for the long form. I think this is uh, not a dilemma, but a challenge for keeping audiences engaged. Thank you, Alex. I like that a lot. We're looking at the clock now. Yeah. I want to see if we go ahead, Alex, finish, and then I want to oh, go yeah. to Lori next. Go ahead. Well, the other thing I think is interesting about all this is I think it's also different age ranges, right? Like I think um, there's definitely a huge audience for homemade stuff with younger kids. But I think even if you look back in time, like it used to be that, you know, when there were children in the Middle Ages or in the 18th century or whatever, there was Punch and Judy and puppet shows and then people grow up and then they want something much more complicated and long form and they watch Shakespeare. So, I mean, I, I do feel also that there'll be room for these different formats and definitely the homemade is, but, but I also feel like there was, you know, 15 years ago, we were all, it seemed to be all reality programming on the networks. And that finally kind of people were like, we, we want to go back to seeing more scripted shows. So I, I think these things come and go in waves also. Yeah. Thank yes, thank you. And with the times more more now than ever, thank you. Lori, I'm circling around to you. I'm looking at prediction number two. This is interesting, and it goes very well with your first prediction. Number two is old home movies will be featured prominently in advertising and TV. Lori, who is old home movies? Are we talking 8-track? Are we talking, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, handheld uh, five-pound video cameras? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, it remains to be seen. But, um, you know, I just, uh, I guess the reason why, the the reason I think that old home movies will be featured prominently in advertising and television is, again, it's the heartstrings. And who's old home movies? I think they're going to dig up stuff that is, that is real for people, um, because you're going to connect to it. Again, it's something that's a little more raw as opposed to being something that is so overproduced. And hey, I've enjoyed being a part of things that are very overproduced. I still want to be in those, you know, <laughs> huge production values because it's so fun. Um, to be a part of, but I think that it's the heartstrings that, that people are going to be working with. There was a um, an advertisement that was this year for the Super Bowl about a gentleman who was going through thinking about the times that he had been with his wife, and um, I'm having, I don't know if it was for Google, I'm having a hard time actually remembering what product it was. I don't know if someone, anyone else remembers, but he was talking about his uh, lifetime with his wife, and so they were going through different times in their life together uh, as far as, like, they're showing the videos of from how, who they had been before, and now mm-hmm. he was missing his wife and because she had passed away. Um, so those kinds of things, I think because there's an air of authenticity or it rings with authenticity, um, it's not a reproduction of something. It is what it is and what is what it was, and therefore there's something about it that reads as genuine and authentic. So I just think we're going to see more of that, especially coming out of this quarantine time where it has been about reflection. It has been about your family members not wanting to lose them uh, and reflecting maybe on times when, when times were better and what we hope for the future. I like that when times are going to be better. Thank you. Victor Verhege, I'm looking at your prediction number three. I think it goes nicely with some of the others we've heard, but I want to hear your POV point of view on this. You say the coronavirus will dramatically affect the way content will be shot. Victor, what are you seeing? What do you think? Well, I mean, I don't know how long this thing's going to last, but how can people get together and shoot something or be in a theater together when there's this constant threat of this, you know, this epidemic and people, you know, the contagiousness of something. I think there's going to be uh, creative ways to shoot things where people are not in the same room. You know, to me, it's like we're going to develop different ways creatively to shoot around having people working together because there's no way if this continues and God knows when it, you know, when it'll end, there's going to have to be protective measures in effect where you just won't be able to work with people. And so you're going to have to develop different ways to put people in different places and have protective gear or whatever, you know what I mean? This is just my thought, the way things are going right now. You know, there's no way you can have a group of people on a set and working together. So you're going to find, I believe, ways around it where people are going to be creating their own content and almost like a Zoom uh, type of a film yes. where you are having yes. individuals on different screens telling stories in that way with that formatting. 
where you're not actually together, but you are still being able, you know, you're, you're able to tell stories. You have people remotely uh, producing these things. You're having people, you know, in, in different locations, and no one has to be together. And God help us if that's the way that, you know, it, it goes on for like for a long time. But, but that's certainly something that I believe people are looking at right now as a way I- to create content. I think you're right. And, uh, Victor, to that point, very well to that point, uh, there are videos going around. I'm passing them around as fast as I can on text. And to people who I don't have on text, I'm passing them through email of orchestras and music schools. There's one from the music yeah. of Berkeley. There's one from the Israeli Philharmonic playing Passover songs. And, by the way, I, I send out to all the people like me who are starting Passover celebration tonight. I say, Aziz and Pesach, a sweet Passover, uh, however sweet you can make it remotely. We can't sit down to Seder with our families, but there's a gorgeous video of the Israeli Philharmonic playing Passover music. It literally brought me to tears. And Al, yeah. I think you know this, Victor. They have each person play, and I'm, I marvel at the editing. These are editing masterpieces. I predict that in entertainment, editors for remote content from different actors, musicians, vocalists will become an in-demand job as they put this together. So all I can think of is everybody played the same music, everybody had the same score on their own, in their homes, wherever they were, and they had a metronome set to an exactly precise time cadence and damn it if they didn't do it they wouldn't fit and then they took all the instruments and put them together in brilliant editing so I'm predicting music and video editors will become one of the most in demand jobs right now and maybe for the long term let me move on thank you Victor Uh, Joanna I have a wonderful I wanted to add add one more thing because I teach acting I teach acting and I'm teaching scene study which is like impossible in this current environment. Yes. But it has also opened up certain avenues in terms of how people act with each other yes. from remote locations. And this is exactly what, to your point, you know, editing is going to become so important in terms of how we create this stuff. And it's it's uh, it's unfortunate on one hand, but it's also opening up different opportunities on another. So that's I that. like that. And that's exactly why I brought that up. Thank you, Victor. Uh, we have time for two Thank more you. predictions, one from Joanna and one from Alex, and then we will have everybody send out good wishes to the world. So, Joanna, number four prediction. We haven't discussed this yet. VR and AR, virtual reality. Uh, the viewer can insert themselves into the storyline and have a 3D experience. The combination of real-world elements and fantasy lead to a truly immersive and magical experience. Experience-driven entertainment will become the norm. Joanna, spend about just two minutes. That's all I've got for you telling me how this uh, – is this happening now? Is it going to be the way of the world? Joanna? I basically think that that is now with the quarantine and what's happening and people sharing stories – uh, I think the fact that um, when you can combine real-world elements and fantasy or just doing gaming and, and we're seeing all the virtual museums, and I just tur- toured G- Giverny and Versailles the other day, and, and um, you can do that at home, uh, uh, and I, I think that's going to be the wave of the future. And, and I, I researched it with the rollout of 5G and that headsets are getting smaller and they're becoming more mobile. Um, I think that people are, are going to be in their own homes and they're going to be looking for entertainment and an immersive experience and that, that basically surrounds them and, and fulfills all their senses, especially if we're tending to be more isolated. So I think that's going to be a way for everyone to be able to experience entertain, uh, entertainment. Thank you very, very much. And let's see, I'm looking at, uh, okay, I'm going to go with number four from you, Alex, because there's a lot of hope in here, a very positive way to end this part of the show. You say the theater will always, theater, live theater will always have a place in entertainment because there is no technological replacement for the human experience of community. Alex, what do you see? I can give you two minutes. That's all we got. Go ahead. Yeah, um, well, uh, okay, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, I mean, what I feel is is that uh, there is something uh, that is even more VR than VR, which is sitting in a room with actors who've created a story for you and are reacting to your reaction, and you're building this emotional um, connection together uniquely each night, different for each audience, because the audience itself and their emotion 
um, bring something special to this. And you can only imagine the kind of stories that are going to come out of this current pandemic and the kind of uh, emotional power and catharsis there's going to be for audiences when they are on the other side of this and back in the theater and seeing a story that resonates with them about some of the trauma and emotions that we've all gone through with our families. Um, and, and on a side note, I just have to jump on Joanna's interesting topic and just say that I paraphrase Shonda Rhimes talking about virtual reality that she said, and I thought this was fascinating, that if you could, like, in a virtual reality show that we all know, say, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, be in a room with Mrs. Maisel asking her questions. Oh, my. You particularly want to know about background of the show or, I mean, about her character or what she's thinking or is she really in love with that guy or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yep. How how incredibly interesting that could be in almost very like live theater. There is a new experience I hear you talking about. I love that. By the way, everything Shonda Rhimes does is, to me, uh, augmented reality. The lines on Scandal, the speed at which they spoke, and the the flow of the the drama. I was enraptured for all the years, the seven seasons that Scandal was on. And I I think there's a brilliance there. I think a lot of shows underestimate our ability to follow along with the speed of characters who talk fast. That's the way they are. I'm just going to stop there. I'm giving you each one sentence of a prediction about entertainment or where you'll be in the next uh, the next year in terms of your entertainment. One sentence each because we're just about ready to close. Laurie Hamill, fast, predict where will entertainment be in one year. Let's go with that. Well, I think it will be um, ex- very accessible and I think like uh, what uh, Alex was saying, very emotional and, and powerful and a way to connect, even if that's through laughs. Thank you. Victor Verhage, one sentence prediction. What you got? I don't know. I'm just going to say I'm going to be all over the place. I'm going to be everywhere and every and everything. That's, that's what I'm going to say. And I predict you're going to feel really well really fast because I hope we cheered you up. Joanna Panero. I'm glad. Joanna Panero, where will you be? What will entertainment be in one year, Joanna? i got one minute left. Fast. Beep, beep. I think we'll be virtually produced, and it's all about connection, uh, connecting to the audience, connecting to our emotions, and hopefully my show for this group will be picked up. <laughs> well, we'll do our best to make that happen. Alex Webb, you get the final word. 30 seconds. Go. Uh, I think that the uh, the realization from all of humanity of the preciousness of life and, the you know, the value of our communities and our families um, will make the storytelling take it to another level in its profoundness for the, our audiences. Thank you. I love the profoundness. Lori Hamill, you rock. You are always a superstar in my book and now even more than ever for bringing me the three panelists who joined you today. I appreciate all all four of you for your thoughtfulness, your storytelling, and for what you do to bring entertainment to the world. A shout-out to Ryan Treasure, my co-producer and the voice of that wonderful intro. Now, now, now. Aaron Keller, my engineer extraordinaire. He is only in his 20s, and he has nerves of steel. Nobody could deal with my shows except Aaron. Aaron, we love you. And I want to say to everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to Technology Revolution, the future of now. If somebody tells you the future is already here, tell them they are wrong. That was yesterday's future. Today, we are all making today's future. And who knows how fast tomorrow's future will be here. Be well, be safe, be smart. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a good one. We love you all. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.